Hi, everyone, and welcome to AB Conversations, where we will help you CFP your way out of it, a podcast where you get into the minds of a couple certified financial planners on how we think and feel about everyday financial planning questions and what should really matter most to you. A healthier financial life starts now. Hey, everybody, welcome back to AB Conversations, starring the one and only Adam Warner. Welcome back, pal. Hey, thanks. I get the starring role. Appreciate that. <laughs> Co-star. Well, I'm, yeah. Well, I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try uh, to match your expertise here today on an awesome topic. Ooh. Yeah. Markets are volatile. Investment losses can hurt. We are here to give you five things today that we think are very common investor mistakes. And if you want long-term success, we think these are five things you have to avoid doing uh, even when you get emotional. How's that for an intro? <laughs> yeah, you got a lot to, lot to live up there, live up to uh, with that. But I, I will say, I think oftentimes we approach and, and other people think through the lens of, okay, well, what should I be doing? And oftentimes there's a lot of low hanging fruit. And sometimes it's better to just think, what should I make sure that I avoid? And, and sometimes yeah, I'm that, not that doing yeah, and sometimes that's enough to at least put you on the right path just by avoiding some of those negatives. So that's where we're going to kind of focus today's attention. All right, so let's start at the top. What's one thing you think people do when they get emotional that they should absolutely not do? Yeah, this one was so current for me, this example. I, I had somebody close to me reach out a day or two ago, looking at their 401k, the market's down. Should I stop? investing or should I stop saving into my 401k? And it doesn't necessarily just have to be uh, exclusive to the 401k or right? any retirement account, non-retirement savings, wherever you are saving. If that right. thought yeah. has crossed your mind, the market is down. I'm going to stop. I'm going to let things settle, work themselves out. And then I'll just turn my contributions back on when I feel like the market's in a better spot. And my, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. When you feel like it's in a better spot, like what, yeah. how do you define that? Sure. Yeah. So, so my response was the exact opposite of what you're feeling is probably what you should be doing, right? The key, everybody knows this, the, the saying buy low, sell high, and that's obvious, but much harder to actually do when emotions are, are, are running high. So when the market is down and you're contributing on a regular basis to a 401k, again, as the example, you're doing what's called dollar cost averaging. That's just a a simple way to kind of illustrate you're buying, if you're buying the same investments on a weekly, monthly, whatever that basis is, whether that that investment is up or down, it doesn't matter. You're buying that same investment over a long period of time. It smooths out a lot of the ups and downs. Um, And in the instance where we're we're thinking currently with the the market, and when we say the market, it's the S&P 500 is our benchmark for stocks, but the bond market is also down, which is, it feels weird um, for many investors to be starting the year and and pretty much everything across the board is down roughly 10%. Um, But the theory is if you're continuing to add at this point, you're buying things at a discount as from where they were not even three, four months ago. So it's an okay thing to be buying things on sale, using air quotes, um, if we think, and we are long-term believers that the market will rebound at some point and make new highs at some point in the future. 
Right. As consumers, we should like buying things on sale. And I think because it has to do with our money, when we see losses, we, it's very, it's human to go, I don't want to put more into something that I feel is dropping. Right. But long-term, if you're buying something on sale, absolutely don't stop contributing. If, if anything, try to do the opposite. Can you increase that contribution a little bit? I realize how difficult that is to hear, but yeah, yeah. great place to start. Don't stop contributing. Second one, selling yeah. when the market is down. Uh, yeah, it's easier said than done. Yeah, so let me throw this to you. Um, we'll have to put this graph maybe in the, in the notes for this one, but yeah. um, the last 20 years, so this is going back to, I guess that would be the end of 2022, uh, 20, 2002, all the way to the end of 2021, the S&P has annualized a rate of return of 9.5. Do you have any guess what a 60-40 portfolio did? Meaning 60% in stocks, bonds being the other 40%? Six and a half. 7.4, you're pretty darn close. 40% in stocks, 60% in bonds. Repeat your answer, Adam. What kind six of rate of return do you think? Yes, yeah, 6.4. Here's the baffling one the average investor only made 3.6%. Yeah, yeah. There's only, there's only one explanation for that. Conspiracy. That's not quite it. <laughs> it's investor behavior, right? It's, yeah. the, it's this feeling that we have to try to get into the market, get out of the market. I have to exchange this investment for this investment. This doesn't feel good, so let me try this. That's mm -hmm. the only explanation for why the average investor has done worse than just putting it in the S&P 500 or yeah. following what is very vanilla, typical advice from us. Here's your 60% in stocks. Here's your 60% in bonds or vice versa. Yeah. It reminds me of this, this article and this study that was done a few years back now. Um, I believe Fidelity uh, was the one that kind of led that study. And what they found, the accounts within their platform that performed the best over time were accounts that people forgot that they had or were for deceased, <laughs> for deceased account owners that changes were never made. It was truly that set it and forget it mentality. And those historically for Fidelity in, uh, in particular here in this study were the accounts that outperformed all the others. So to your exact point, that investor behavior, the behavior gap between the index returns or your investment returns and then the actual experience of an investor yeah it really does come down to the more times you have to make a decision there's just a higher probability that at some point along the way one of those is going to be the wrong move and it just takes away from that potential performance in the future yeah and we run the risk on a podcast like this is saying don't do this don't do this it right, is not right. it is not to always do nothing right and we know that but we, are, we feel like we need to insert ourselves between the investor and doing nothing to mm -hmm. allowing those pivot points to just be maybe data-driven rebalances, or maybe it's, uh, you know, let's exchange this for this because of where we think things are now mm -hmm. going to go. But that's, those right. are usually pivots at, a, at a, a point in history that's kind of like defined by data and not just the emotional-driven response of, Market's down, I have to do this. Got to sell, yeah. got to buy, got to get in, got to get out. Yeah. I have another one on that. Yeah. 
within that same selling when the market is down? Yeah, and I guess it's just again to look at historical data. Um, I know I know that you know where I'm going with this. The average intra-year decline since 1980 in the market is 14%. Yeah, right. So from peak to trough, 14%. And I think that's where this market that we're currently in is very normal from those numbers standpoint. Yeah. Right. But often when you're in it, it feels so much worse. Yeah. And I think, so So let, uh, let me expand on that. I think part of that feeling so much worse, and, and that was, I, I saw that graph recently and I saw kind of where we were at year to date. Um, and with some volatility here recently, we've kind of hit that 14% number. And even though historically you can say that this is, an, this is average, when you're in it, we, I think the stock market often feels you, you get more highs than lows over time. So even yeah. though we've, ex we've experienced volatility lately, that feels uh, much shorter lived. Going back to COVID, even prior to that, these, these drawdowns have happened so rapidly. Um, and then the rebounds have happened almost as quickly. And it's very easy to have that recency bias where you kind of forget maybe how, how bad things were in the past, unless it was, you know, it's, it's kind of seared into your psyche, maybe March of 2020 and, and COVID shutdowns, seeing that drawdown happen, the global financial crisis, sure, whole different ball of wax. Um, but yeah, in, in thinking along those lines of this being a normal market, it, it, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think part of us just wants to not have this be normal. Right. I don't I don't want to sure. see losses. I don't like right. seeing losses, even though within that historical context, this is a, a pretty average entry year drawdown. And I guess the the inputs to that, the variables that changes every single time. And I guess that's where people can kind of point to. Well, but this, this time doesn't feel normal. Yeah, of course yeah. not. War does not feel normal. These headlines right. don't feel normal. Now, now it's, you know, court cases and <clears> like unrest again doesn't none yeah. of this feels normal so we run the risk when you and i come on a podcast and say this is normal <laughs> don't worry about it it doesn't oh, yeah. feel that way i understand that but yeah we're we're just we're coming at this from the historical perspective right 32 since 1980 32 of the last 42 years we've had a positive market yeah right this is the old i'm going to divert here i tell this story to my kids all the time it's the story where the teacher like tells little johnny to come to the board and he has to do the math tables, multiplication, one times nine, he, has, he wrote nine. Two times nine, he wrote 18. Three times nine, 27, all the way down. He got to 10 times nine and wrote 99. He got ahead of himself mm -hmm. and he's walking back to his chair and all the kids are laughing at him, right? The kid got nine out of 10 correctly, but what oh. do we focus on? We focus on that negative. We focus on that one mistake. We focus on the one year where it just feels really bad. But yeah. again, the market goes up more than it goes down. That same right. table, that same chart that we'll share, 12 of the 21 years where we had double digit negatives, right? That 14% down, mm -hmm. the market still ended the year positive, right? It, yeah, yeah. We, st we still have an opportunity. We got seven more months in the year here. We still have an opportunity for things to turn around. What's the point we're making in, in you know, number two here, <laughs> selling when the market yeah, yeah. is down? When it doesn't feel good, the opportunity to make a mistake is there so much, oh, yeah. so much bigger than it does when the market's just feeling okay. Well, and, and uh, I'll put, a, I guess, the last fine point on, on this section. It's even if you got the timing right, 
on the downside. You were able to sell and go to something that felt safe and preserve those dollars. Going back to the first thought of, I'm going to stop contributing to my my account, but I'm going to start it at some point when I feel like the market's in a better spot. It is, again, you're just introducing another opportunity. Now you have to decide when to get back in. And it's impossible for any person to do that with any reliability. If, if someone was able to do that, we would know their name. They'd be famous for being able mm-hmm. to time the market in, out on a regular basis. It's just, it's, it's impossible. Um, and again, going back to what I said earlier, every time you uh, have the opportunity to make a decision, there's a chance for that corresponding decision to go wrong. Um, so yeah, getting out is one thing, getting back in is another, and that's, it's very, very difficult to do. Well said it's okay. So, so maybe on that theme, going to a third point and let's maybe Mm -hmm. get off the selling when the market's bad, like the negative (laughs) side of it, the third mistake I think that people make, and I'll, I'll let you kind of speak to this a little bit. It may be uh, chasing returns or chasing a trend when the headlines or your buddy or your friend or a coworker, anybody is saying, well, here's how I've been investing. This has been going so well. You should do the same thing. Yeah. It, it, it just harkens back to, you know, the, the dot-com bubble in the early two thousands. It's the meme stocks, you know, early in 20, was that 2021? Yeah, man. Time is Bitcoin. Yeah. Just that, that idea of the herd mentality, um, and that that can work, right? M- momentum is a real thing. You get enough people buying a stock at a certain point that will just kind of perpetuate the cycle. The, the stock price will go up. You'll get more people chasing in. But the reality of most of those situations is fundamentally, if that investment, whatever it is, is not sound from a fundamental right. standpoint, that's that irrational exuberance that in the end, the reality does take over. So yeah, that the, yeah, it, the, the chasing of returns just doesn't, often doesn't lead to the right outcome. And that's why we'd say it's a mistake because typically there is kind of this reversion to the mean. The average is the average for a reason. Right. And um, I know we made this joke a little earlier. There's a reason why compliance departments oh, yeah. make, make anything investment related have the disclosure, past performance does not guarantee future results. Right. Look at this past performance. I'm picturing somebody, this could be anybody. I'm not picking mm-hmm. on anybody, but I'm picturing them looking at the 401k statement with like last year's return was this. Emerging markets is a great example where yeah. there's an asset class that's very volatile. It could be the best performing asset class in one year and the very next year it's the worst. Mm-hmm. So this was great. I'm going to buy it. I bought it and now it was the worst. This is horrible. I'm yeah. going to sell it. Guess what? It was the best <laughs> the next year. Yeah. It, it is this, this mentality that we have to kind of want to jump on board with something or want to get off the train on something that over time, the averages are the averages for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll, that kind of leads me into the next, a next point that we wanted to make. Um, And through that lens of either chasing returns or paying very close attention to kind of the headline news or just stock market news, checking your account on a daily basis or just paying way too close attention to your investments at kind of that, that uh, micro level often, again, I think leads to wanting to make changes. If you're checking your account balances on a daily basis, I think it's very hard to resist seeing 
in in an up market, maybe it's much easier to kind of just, hey, I'm doing okay, let things ride. I think it's it's when yeah. you see you start to see those losses, and you want to feel like you can exert some sort of control over your situation when the market is just kind of taking you on a potential wild ride. Again, uh, making changes for the sake of making changes may not be the best for your situation if you kind of had a plan going into this is how I'm going to invest this yeah. is my time horizon this is the goal changing that on a maybe a, a regular basis again i think just introduces more opportunity to get some of that timing wrong yeah i'm really glad you brought this one up because i think this really does speak to the behavioral side of what we need to do right how many conversations do we have or have we had just in the last couple of weeks where yeah. clients want to talk about you know, the market's moving. I know, I know I'm invested for the long term, but like, are there any changes on the horizon? What are we thinking we're going to do about this? It's so dissatisfying when we say, yes, we're paying attention, but we really think we're positioned for where we need to be for the long term. You know, fundamentally, things don't feel vastly different than what we expected. So we're sticking yeah. with it. We're sticking with it. It's so dissatisfying to hear. Like, we know yeah. that. I don't want that to be, I don't want us to sound flippant when we're saying, stay the course. Right. Um, but I think you hit the nail on the head so well. It's almost like when you're paying too close attention, like you're, you're putting yourself in a spot where you may end up wanting to do something you shouldn't. I liken this to if somebody really wants to be on a diet, like, is there any reason to have three tubs of ice cream in their freezer? Like, <laughs> don't, don't bring yourself don't so close to it. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. it's, it, it, how many things in our life do we know that we, we shouldn't do? Yeah. Um, or we know the right thing to do, but we put ourselves in a situation where we might be tempted to do it. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It's hard to tell somebody not to look at their account when it's falling. It's really hard. Well, yeah. Yeah. And we, we, we met with somebody earlier this week that said, I check my accounts on a daily basis. I don't know why. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to make any changes, but it's still... I still like to see what it's doing. And sometimes if it's down enough, it, it, you know, it will set the tone yeah. for, the rest, he said for the rest of my day. It makes a bad day. Yeah. And yeah. you just, uh, you like your heart. I don't know how you felt. We were in that meeting together. Like your heart yeah. just sinks a little bit and you're like, man, I just, we want to take this off their shoulders. Like we don't yeah. want them to have to worry about it. I think this is why we're going to quickly turn to point five here. This mm -hmm. seems like a good enough segue. Yeah. Um, I think how you structure, how you invest and your savings, it's so important, right? The, a mistake that most people make is that they invest money that they're going to need sometime soon, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Because now my attention has to be, man, I really wanted to go on this vacation or I knew I was going to buy this car. I knew I, knew yeah. I needed this for, for this reason. And now yeah. I see it's going lower and I'm creating even more panic. Part of our, part of our advice is, right, you need to have a cushion. Yeah. And if... And having that cushion hopefully allows you to not have to pay too close attention to something yeah. that really is supposed to be for the longer term. And that that's that's the key right there. That you, the last part that you just said. It, it to to us, investing comes down to aligning your time horizon with whatever that whatever that goal may be. Whenever you think you're going to start to need that those funds, um, and even for somebody that's investing in a retirement plan, and, and you know maybe is ten plus years from retirement, feeling you know, market volatility, well, I, I'm, I'm getting close, maybe I should start to reduce some risk. Um, it still is aligning your investments with that time horizon to give yourself maybe some peace of mind that I can ride out 
some of these ups and downs, if I know I'm not going to need it for whatever that time period, whatever that time period is. And that all comes back to our, our three bucket theory on making sure you have an adequate cash reserve, making sure you have cash that you're going to need for your actual expenses. Then you have your chunk of money that's going to last you, uh, what, three, three to seven years. That is more stable. Now, in this case, Maybe that didn't work for right now because bonds, which would make up that middle bucket, are also down 10%. But the, the, the seven plus years, that really long-term bucket, the, the most volatile stuff that you own, right? It's, it's the stock side of things that we really truly see the volatility on a regular basis. Yeah. Knowing that I don't have to touch those for seven or more years, hopefully that gives somebody the, that peace of mind that market's going to go up, market's going to go down. I know that I have time on my side to ride these things out. Again, yeah. easier, easier said than done. Um, but we've certainly seen that help a lot with our clients um, to kind of give that perspective and just kind of reset the expectations. And even, even I fall into this trap, right? Didn't, didn't we have a conversation, you and I, like this is as transparent as we can be on Monday where I'm like, Hey, maybe we should increase our stock exposure in these accounts. You know, like, <laughs> hey, maybe you know, maybe we can help our clients. Like, if, if they went through the hard yeah. time, maybe we can help get them yeah. rewarded. And in fairness mm-hmm. to you, you're like, hey, but that's not the point. That's not how we do things, right? You bring <laughs> me back down to a place of level two, and that's that's. I know that some of our advice sounds boring or repetitive, mm-hmm. especially when the market's going well. It's like, do I really need to hold this much cash? Right. It's, it's really these times of stress that we remind ourselves and hopefully are therefore able to remind our clients, like, this is why we do what we do. This is why fundamentally things are set up the way that we think they need to be set up for the long term. Because yeah. over those periods, hopefully we feel better in the, in the bad times, um, right. but we will be rewarded on the long end if we're not making these five mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a form of insurance. Right. That in, in case of emergency, you know, break this glass, you, you have these funds available that you, again, don't don't necessarily need to change the yeah. rest of your the rest of your plans, the rest of the way that you're invested. Um, when invariably the, the market is going to go through volatility at some point, maybe maybe we'll have a recession in the next couple of years that will, again, cause the market to go down. Who knows? I guess that's the right. point. Nobody knows when these things are going to occur. Um, have, have your plan, stick to it. If we need to make small tweaks, we certainly will, will do that. Um, but yeah, o- overreacting, making kind of knee-jerk reactions is often, often leads to mistakes. Yeah, and I'll maybe summarize it this way. I think these, these five things that we're saying, don't do these, try to avoid these, are mm-hmm. that you don't, you, don't compound, you don't compound the negative, right? Right. Losses happen. They're going to happen. If you're investing, they're going to happen. Where we see these mistakes really ruining things or setting people back is when they take those short-term losses and they compound the problem by feeling like they need to do something different when really it's just the ebbs and flows. Yep. Yep. So hopefully that's helpful, whether people are working with us or not. You know, these are the five things we really hope you avoid. Agreed. You were a star again today. Well done, my friend. Thanks for your help. Hey, thanks. You did okay yourself. It's why it's called A-B conversations. You should be first in line. (laughs) I think it's alphabetical, but okay. (laughs) Thanks, pal. Hey, thanks. See you soon. Bye. Take care.
Hey everyone, Adam and I really appreciate you tuning in. Please note that the opinions we voiced in the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be most appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, your accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to making any decisions or investing. Thanks for listening.